0: Forever
1: Just between us between us.
2: Hello, I'm Alison Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and very wary of technology. I'm I'm a writer, bi bisexual icon, wink, and cowabunga, dude. <laughs> I'm not even acknowledging that.
0: <laughs> cowabunga, baby. Because
2: you want to talk about your surfing?
0: No, just letting the people know that I, I am taking surf lessons. And I'm really, I'm called to the sea. I can stand up on the board, so that's very exciting. Like on a wave? Yeah, on a wave. You thought I meant stand up on the board on the beach, Allison? Or when the, when the water was calm. I feel like that would be even harder than trying to ride a wave. Cause then you have yeah. to just be like, woo, balance. Uh, I do a pretty good job. I will say I fall every time, but I got to tell you, let me break some news for you. Okay. You know, they tell you, get out, move your body. That will make you feel better in your brain. Like if you do any kind of uh, thing that, you know, it, it gets you moving or gets you outside of your house or whatever. Uh, this will really help your mental health. Whole time I go, fuck you. You don't know me. You don't know my life. Whatever. Turns out 100% true. Mm-hmm. Who did everyone know that?
2: A lot of people know it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real
0: bummer, actually.
2: Yeah. Mental health and and exercise are are very intricately linked.
0: Not even exercise, just being at the beach. But you know what I do? I I like going to the beach because in my head, I go, I'm a taxpayer. I pay taxes to live here. This beach is basically my beach. I paid for some of it. I deserve to be here. That's how you should feel about the use of public places in your town, right? If you pay taxes, go to the park, have a picnic, play on the playground, anything that's the the community center, anything that's like in the, you know, in your town, think of it as like you paid an entrance fee already, which is taxes. And now go and use it. Who is feeling like they don't
2: have access to public spaces?
0: I think people don't use it. I think people think, oh, whatever. Like what? I'm not going to go to the park. I'm not going to go like people don't like realize that all of this stuff is for free around them and like that you can just go out and do stuff. And my motivating factor is that I go see this little patch of grass. That's my
2: taxes. I paid for that. So your motivating factor is is telling yourself it's actually not free and you already paid for it. So you better use it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. That makes some sense to me. How is that wrong? I already paid for the upkeep of these beaches. So I, I, what am I going to do? Now someone else gets to benefit from
2: my my little patch of sand that I paid for? No. Your mind is a wondrous thing. <laughs> and this is just between us. A variety show filled with heartfelt advice. Ridiculous games. <laughs> and brutal honesty. I just want
0: the people to know that they should take advantage of what's in their town. Yeah. And that there's tons of free stuff where you live in your town. That I think people, like, don't take advantage of.
2: I don't know what the upkeep is everywhere for public spaces. For sure. But check them out. Check them out. Check them out. Yeah. No, I go to the public park near my house all the time. It's Sugar's favorite spot.
0: Which square of it do you think is yours from the taxes that you pay to the town of West Hollywood? (laughs) I don't live in West Hollywood. (laughs) Oh, you're, you're like, still in LA County? You're still in Los Angeles? Yeah. Oh. I get well, how-
2: really offended when people tell me I live in West Hollywood because it
0: doesn't feel true to my life. You used to get so mad when I'd be like, Allison's on the West Side. And you'd be like, you don't even know what the West Side is. <laughs> Let's talk about the show for the week because I'm getting riled. <gasps> okay, well, this week on the show, we're going to be asking Michelle Carey some tough questions about trying new things. You guessed it. She is our ex-coworker from B asterisk ZZFE asterisk D.
2: blow your own joke that you make later.
0: No, I'm just saying so in case that sounds familiar to you. She's our coworker from a place that we worked that is uh, bleeped. Are you seriously bleeping it? Why why, why are we bleeping it? (laughs) Because it's evil. Later, we're going to be discussing things that we've been wrong about. So stay tuned. But
2: first, we've got to answer a listener's question. So you know what that means. Hit it! International question! International question! new york so victoria says hi allison and gabby my name is victoria and this question comes from new york first just want to say i'm a huge fan of you both and i want to thank you both for the comfort and fun that this show brings oh so nice okay tldr I have a close guy friend, let's call him Charles, and while he is great, loving and present friend, lately, the last 3 months, he's been falling flat with making plans, and I can't tell if I should take the hint, if that's even what it is, lol, or keep trying. Falling flat means Telling him about plans to go to the beach months in advance, him saying he'd love to, and he'll ask his partner. Months go by, no response. I ask again as it gets closer. The same thing happens. He shows enthusiasm like he wants to, but never gets back to me about what his partner says. I feel like asking a third time is too much. Some context. I feel very triggered by non-reciprocal relationships. So when I feel that I'm trying more than the other person is, I feel unequal and just want to back out. I hesitate to back out in this situation, though, because this person has always been a really lovely, solid friend, and I've lost so many friends recently. I'm afraid to lose another person. I'm also afraid that I'm being too rigid, but I feel like asking a third time is too many times and that I should get the hint from his actions, not his words. Further, I feel unenthusiastic to engage with him generally now because of this and don't want to approach a conversation where we talk about plans again. So I feel kind of stuck and unsure how to proceed. Should I take the hint from him or keep trying? If I try, how would you proceed if you were me? Thank you both. (sighs) Okay. This, like, exact thing is happening with me and my friend from college where I've reached out a couple times and he's, like, replied, but, like, never offered, been, like, I'm busy, but, like, never offered a time to reschedule or to, like, actually get together. And so part of why I picked this question was I was like, oh, this is me. Uh (laughs) Um.
0: Yeah. So I definitely have people who do this to me and I sometimes I go with my gut instinct of like is this just what they're like? And so I barrel through, are they just flaky, you know, spacey type of person? Is there someone whose calendar is super in flux all the time? Or I try to feel out if it's that or if it's someone who's just like not into being friends with me. And kind of in some ways it depends on if that matters to you, like the first group, I I don't really take personally, but I can see a world in which it's like, that is not a compatible friend to me. Then if this is a person who is flaky or, you know, through no fault of their own, through no fault of their own schedule, family, mental illness, whatever, if that person is not compatible with the way that your feelings work and, and actually triggers negative feelings for you, then like, unfortunately, you're just not compatible as friends. Now, the other side is that this person is ditching you. And it could be for any reason. It could be where you're you're like, oh my God, they're ditching me because I'm annoying and I'm a bad friend or whatever. No, sometimes people just like ditch or like are having their own mental health stuff or just like are in a new group of friends. I don't know. Like people are so, I feel like I've had this happen to me from both sides for multiple reasons. Like one reason of this person's just like, I find Gabby annoying, which honestly get in line or it'll be like, I just am not someone who like, you're not the first person I think of or like, I don't, you're not like on my top 10 list of who to hang out with, but like I like you or it's like, you know, someone who's like, I really do want to hang out. I just like, every time I'm about to leave my house, I lose my keys and then I'm three hours late. Do you know what I mean? Like,
2: well, but what it seems to me is that the, the it's not like this person's always been this way is that there's been a shift in that, like in the past, they were Correct. able to make plans with them. And now suddenly they can't. And so, you know, I think in terms of like how I've been handling it in my own life is like, I've sort of been like, okay, well, I've reached out to him, right my friend a couple of times. And my anxious brain wants to go to, oh, this person doesn't want to be my friend anymore. But then I take a step back and I'm like, But have I done anything for that to be the case? Exactly. I've been friends with this person for like over a decade. Nothing has happened. Mm -hmm. And what, what I do know what is happening is that like their life right now is very busy. Mm-hmm. And so maybe their life just right now is really busy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so uh, I'm not like best friends with them.
0: Right, right, and, right. And
2: I'm sure they're still seeing some of their friends. But mm-hmm. a lot of times when you go through like a really busy time, like it's really only have time for like your primaries, mm-hmm. you know, like we're not each other's primaries. And then I go, you know, so what do I do? Right. And then I've thought to myself, what I'm going to do is I'm going to assume that It's not about me, right? but I'm also not going to continue reaching out because clearly this is like a busy time or something, maybe something has happened. Who knows? But so what I will do is I will just in my head go when they want to hang out with me or when they want to see or catch up with me, they'll reach out to me. And when that happens, instead of like being angry or mad or whatever, because I don't actually feel those things, I'll just be there and Mm -hmm. we'll catch up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm sort of just like, taking this like wider stance of like, this person's been in my life for many, many years. I'm sure they'll continue to be in my life in some capacity. Mm-hmm. But for right now, for whatever reason, they're not making an effort. Mm-hmm. And so I will now put the ball in their court. And when they are ready and when they do have time, I'll be around and I'll be happy to to hang out. But that's because that's that kind of friendship where we mm-hmm. aren't that close. Mm-hmm. I think when you have a really close friend who then you feel like isn't making plans, that, that hits different and that's more hurtful. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, I do think that there is something to be said and something that I really need to work on, which is, is saying, hey, I've been trying to make plans with you. I feel like we haven't actually made any plans. Is something going on or are you just really busy? Either way, I would just kind of like to discuss it because it's, it's kind of hurting my feelings.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I was going to say is that there have been – times where I've been direct and I've been like, you know, this is why I don't want to hang out anymore. And then there are other times where I'm a chicken and I let things ghost and I should have confronted or I should have said why. But it's it's hard to like say for me, like right now, there's there's some stuff where it's like you're a very negative person and Mm -hmm. I'm trying to only allow positive people in my life. So like, how do I phrase that exactly? I don't know. I I don't want to be like, no, it's definitely not you, you know, whatever. Because like, maybe, I mean, truly like, maybe that something is up with the partner. Maybe the, the partner is like, doesn't want to go out that much. Or maybe the partner, like, not a huge fan of yours. Like, I don't know, you know? Like, there's so many things that could happen. I think you're just spiraling unless you ask directly. Like, it's totally cool if like, should, should I stop trying to hang out? Like, it's totally cool. It It's a little bit hurtful that, like, you keep flaking. So, like, is there something better that we could do? Like, do you not want to go to the beach? Do you want me? me I could just come over. Like, you know, kind of trying to be direct in, like, what is going on. But I'm also a fucking coward who, if someone did that to me, I might be like, No! <laughs> this is going to be bad. Nobody's going to want to be my friend because the amount of times that I'm like, I'm like, I have to go meet this person I don't like. So yeah, you just maintain those friendships. I don't maintain them because I'm not, I don't make myself like super available. And there's also people that I really like as people, but I don't want to hang out with. Like Mm -hmm. life is complicated. (laughs) Like, I really like you. I don't want to hang out with you. Or like, I like you, but I like you in these sort of small doses that Mm -hmm. I can control. Right. Or some friends of mine like are like super close, but like they'll be busy and I won't see them for like a month or like, you know, they'll be like my best friend for like three days where I'll be like, oh, my God, we're together the whole time. And then, you know, then I don't know if that's a Gemini thing where it's like I just saw like a meme that was like like Gemini's and they're like 50 new best friends every day, (laughs) which is how I feel. So like I don't know. I I think you just have to like ask, but also the answer might be a lie and it also might be or it might be hurtful.
2: (laughs) Well, I think it's one of those things where there's no hard and fast rule. Like you sort of have to think about it. It's like, Mm -hmm. how much is this upsetting you? So Mm -hmm. if it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I'd like to hang out, but clearly this person's busy. So I'm going to just cool it. And when they reach out, there'll be no hard feelings, but I'll let it be on their timeline. Great. Mm -hmm. But if it's the sort of thing where, like, you're thinking about it a lot, it's causing you pain, you feel like you're about to potentially, like, self-sabotage the relationship Mm -hmm. in some way, then I think that those are signals that, like, you probably do need to bring it up and talk about it. But I think that, like, really checking in with yourself and looking at each friendship individually and thinking about, okay, what kind of friendship is this? Mm -hmm. What is, you know, in the past, like, how how have the patterns changed? Like, is this what they've always been like? Am I just being extra sensitive? Or is this really a significant shift that is worth me bringing up? It's vulnerable to ask someone to hang out. Totally. You know, yeah. And like, I have another friend where like, we had plans, but then I canceled, but then he couldn't, but then he didn't reschedule. And then I was like, oh, I'll just reach out again. And then like, now we have plans, you know, but like, yeah, because I had to be like, oh, right. But I was the first one who canceled. So like you know, like, and I, yeah. I am someone who's also incredibly sensitive to if I feel like someone doesn't want to be my friend, as I'm discovering in therapy, I'm just like, okay, goodbye.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, and so I
2: probably could do more work on like vocalizing when I when I need more from a friend or when I feel neglected from a friend. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think also you got to take in the greater context. And if it seems like This person is just really overwhelmed in their life in general, Mm -hmm. you know, but you're also allowed to say, well, that's not the kind of friendship that I want. I want a friend who's still available or at least can check in or be more or at least have the ability to say, "Say." I'm really busy right now. That's why I can't do this. Versus like misleading you.
0: Mm -hmm. This person wasn't getting back to me. And then and then they just were like, hey, I'm really sorry. Well, because I spun a tale in my head where I said they're not getting back to me because I changed my pronouns. They're not Mm. getting back to me because I'm they them and they're mad about it and they're not getting back to me or whatever. They think it's dumb. So I said, I texted them to be like, are you not getting back to me because of my gender? And then they were like, what? No, I'm in a depressive hole. And I was like, you are? Are you okay? And then they were like, I'm madly depressed. So like, it's just like this thing where like, I would rather someone reach out. I would rather if I'm like, hey, can we hang out? And then instead of not saying anything, I know that's so hard, but I would rather someone be like, I'm depressed.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Or just something like, which is I know as someone with severe major depressive episodes, the idea of texting I'm depressed even overwhelms you. So I get it. But like maybe from the other side, think, oh, maybe something's going on with them rather than, oh, my God, they hate me because I'm non-binary now. (laughs) Like I went into a fucking spiral. But there are also people I am avoiding. But there are also people that I know are avoiding me. Like certain people are super mixed signals. Right. So like one person, I know that this person is is known for being flaky. They will disappear for a month and a half and then send me an email being like, you're the coolest person in the whole world. I adore you. I want to hang out in person. And I'll be like, I'll write back like, yeah, amazing. And then they'll disappear for another month. And like, I will give that person a hundred chances. And and then like one, someone else will just flake one time and I'll be like, you're dead to me. So I don't know, but I also know that there are probably people who I reach out to who, who just are not responding or don't want to hang out. Not because like, oh, I'm just busy or, oh, I, you know, I'm going through something right now or whatever. They just don't like me, Gabby Dunn. But it's so hard. There's no answer. Like this one person that, reaches out all the time. At first I was like not into it. And then I changed, I changed my mindset and I was like, no, this person clearly loves me and wants to hang out. So I'll let me hang out with them more. And now it's great. But I set a boundary. I'm not going to text all fucking day. This person wants to text all day. I'll respond to one out of every eight texts. (laughs) So like, I'm not, I don't have an answer because I'm sure, I'm sure that I am somebody's version of I will respond to every one out of eight texts. And I'm sure that I'm super close to certain people who I know are holding boundaries with me. Like, are, I they're like, I love you. You're invited to about half of the things I throw because the other half, I need them to have a different atmosphere than what you bring, Gabby Dunn. So
2: I don't know. I think it's about figuring out what feels okay in that murkiness, you know, so like- it's So murky. It's like, first is acknowledging that Friendships, adult friendships in particular, are complex. They go through phases. They're not always going to be what you want them to be. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, but... But within that, what what, doesn't make me feel bad? (laughs) Or either how do I then not feel bad about it? How do I reframe this situation so that it doesn't cause me distress? And that might involve talking to them directly or that might involve you just uh, making some assumptions that may or may not be right, but you decide that that's what you're going to think about the situation. Right. And so it's really about like, how do you not let it affect you? And if you're unable to do that, then I think that's a sign that you need to talk to somebody about it.
0: Yeah. It's just so murky.
2: This one girl who I interned with, like, in my early 20s. And, like, once a year, she'll reach out and be like, we have to catch up. And I'll be like, definitely. And then she'll disappear. And then this last time, <laughs> we literally made, a like, a FaceTime, like, a Zoom time to do it. And I was like, this is unbelievable. I'm finally going to catch up with this person. It's been years. And then that day, she was like, I'm sick. And then never rescheduled. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. I'm that person though. There's.
2: But I literally, I never reach out to her. She always is the one that initiates. She initiates consistently like once every year or two and then never follows through. People are complex. Like we can't solve this. Like
0: this is a question we cannot solve because we are the doees. We are the doers. We are
2: this. We are like people are complex. And so I think it's, it's about it's about like accepting that complexity and then like within the individual relationships being like, OK, what can I work with? What can I work? Yes, with?
0: Yes, totally. Well, I hope this was helpful literally at all.
2: <laughs> if you want to submit your international question, you can send it to just between us pod at gmail.com. That's just between us pod at gmail.com. Stick around
0: after the break. We're going to be asking Michelle Carey some tough questions.
2: Back to Just Between Us, it's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting, Tough Questions. This week on the show, we have Michelle Kari,
0: who is a content creator, actress, and just all-around person who tries things on her channel. It's raw, unfiltered journeys into different communities. I'm sure you've seen her videos. And she is our former co-worker at Bleep, we shall not be named Hello, Michelle. You mean BuzzFeed? Why are
2: you saying
1: it?
2: Why are you saying it? Michelle, we are so excited to have you on. We have been huge professional and personal fans of you for so long. Um, And I just, I mean, I'm someone who is like, I don't really try new things that much. And, And this is like your entire brand. And so, like, how did you figure out that, like, this would be what you would do on YouTube? Because I feel like YouTube is such a huge space. There's so many different things, like genres to go into but like when you branched off on your own like how did you figure out that like this would be your thing
3: oh well first of all thank you guys so much for having me (laughs) um I it's funny you mentioned that because I am such a big fan of you guys I um you know when we were co-workers at the place that must not be named um I looked up to you guys so so much I was fans of you guys before I even worked there so this is really exciting for me um How did I realize that that's what I wanted to do on YouTube? Well, I kind of came into the YouTube world with a a unique situation. Um, When I was working at a full-time job, I (laughs) was also a competitive cyclist. So I was working nine to five and then training after work, leaving from the office, traveling on the weekends. And I kind of got to this place where I realized this isn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really wanted to combine my love of pushing myself physically and mentally with creating online content. And so that's sort of where I got the idea for the show Challenge Accepted on my YouTube channel. And it's really all about pushing myself outside my comfort zone. I think a lot of people look at the videos and think, oh, that's really cool or that was so brave. But what's the truth is that each video is born out of a personal fear I have. For example, you know, I'd love to be as brave as a firefighter, but I'm terrified of going in a burning building. I would, you know, I always had the dream of being an ice skater as a little kid, but now I feel like I'm too old to take that on. Why do I feel too old? Why do I feel like I can't occupy these spaces? And so in each one, even though I might not like explicitly talk about it in the video, each of them are surrounding a very specific Fear that I have.
2: what has been the hardest you know topic for you to to tackle? what's been the biggest fear?
3: Oh my gosh. well all of them are really scary and some of them are are very obvious you know like going in the burning building or doing a brain obstacle course without any harness attached to you. Those are very physical fears. but one that I've been struggling a lot with recently is the longest video I've ever trained for is not a physical challenge. I am currently trading like a chess master, and it is kicking my ass, guys. (laughs) 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 To have the like mental acuity to do chess. Exactly. It's driving me insane. I have been working on this challenge for six months now, and I still haven't hit like the initial goal that I set for myself. And it has driven me crazy. I have had so much anxiety. I've gone. Full therapy, only talking about chess pretty much. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> my therapist is sick of it. I'm sick of it. Um, and it's it's just so funny because I didn't think it would be this hard. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this isn't a physical challenge. Like, I'm not gonna have to be sweating or in pain. That this is fine. Like I'll just play chess a few hours a day. Oh my God. I just like when I tell you I have wanted to set things on fire because of chess. <laughs> Uh, Oh, it is so maddening and uh, very educational for myself. I'm trying to keep a positive attitude. (laughs) This is my (laughs) therapist speaking, not me. You know, having your intelligence on display is a sense of vulnerability that I have not experienced in this capacity, even just um, playing an online tournament with a hundred thousand people watching, you make a mistake and the whole chat fills with, oh, she's so dumb. Why is she in this tournament? She should have known pawn E5. Like, oh my God. <laughs> you know? Oh it's crazy. And it, it hurts so much more when it's about your your mind versus my body. I feel like in the past, I've been like, you know what? I can't do a double pirouette, whatever, and that's okay. Um, this for some reason, and I think it ties honestly, in, uh, with mental health and kind of, you know, what, you, what you're all about, Allison, and what we were talking about before we started recording even is the idea of we can't see the problem. So is it really a problem? And especially with gender tied to it, it mm-hmm. it's become very, <laughs> very interesting.
0: I was going to say, because Chess is so gendered, as soon as you started saying that people in the chat were like, she's so stupid, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, they were already thinking that. Yeah, they were already against you.
3: Mm -hmm. It's incredible how gendered chess is when it's a mental game, mental sport. And I I was actually really fortunate that two of my coaches were female coaches, like world-class chess players. Mm -hmm. One of them, Anna Rudolph, actually was accused of cheating at a really big tournament because the opponent could not believe that she would beat him.
0: Wow. wow. Oh my God. And it was in
3: the New York times. It's this story. Like they, they thought that she had hidden answers in her chapstick or something. <laughs> and she, so when she was going what? to the bathroom, she's pulling out a cheat sheet out of her chapstick, which just doesn't even. Oh my God. The, the mental gymnastics people do to diminish women's intelligence is uh fascinating.
2: Wow. <laughs> do you feel like you have now tied your overall, I mean, cause Chess is a very specific thing, right? But do you feel like in this process, you've now tied your overall intelligence to how good you are at chess?
3: Oh, absolutely. And everyone (laughs) tells me not to do that. All of my coaches, the first thing they said is chess does not equal how smart you are, but it's hard to separate that. It's hard to separate it with everyone on the internet inserting their opinion And also the thought of, I can't finish this video (laughs) until I figure this out is very difficult, but has also been super humbling. And and I've learned a lot about myself in the process too. Wow. Like what? Patience. A lot of patience. I have learned intelligence is not tied to (laughs) disability. I've come to accept (laughs) that (laughs) for the betterment of my own self. And uh, I just have so much more respect for anyone who does
0: chess. I have a question. Okay. So, right. So you're talking about like, oh my God, I, I talked to my therapist about chess. I'm so focused on chess, but like, do you feel like you were already a person who like had these sort of special interests where you were like for six months, I will care only about this. Or like, did that come from the videos or was that something that you already had that then went into the videos of doing all this stuff?
3: I think that that was an interest of mine, like being a jack-of-all-trades prior to doing videos, because in high school, I did science fair and theater camp, so I kind of had a lot of different interests and struggled even in college choosing a major. Ended up making my own, which I don't even know if that counts, but... What was it? <laughs> I think I called it uh, I called it digital media and technology. And sure. I really I just sure. made a list of all the classes I wanted to take and wrote some, you know, a convincing thing to the board and they accepted it. I honestly the things I've gotten away with are impressive, but I feel like I've always had a lot of interest in in a variety of different things. And rather than forcing myself to specialize, I decided, what if I specialize in being the person who can try anything? Mm -hmm. So I've sort of made that my specialty as much as I can.
0: There's so much pressure just to pick one thing and go for it. Like there's so much pressure to be like, now you're a gymnast, now you're an equestrian, like now you, you know, play the flute or whatever, mm-hmm. Um, that I think people get really caught up in like, that's my identity and I can't try new things. And even you saying like, oh, I'm too old to figure skate. Like, what would you say to people who are like, I am p- I've am passed my prime of like choosing a new thing?
3: Well, I, I definitely think that you should disagree with the part of yourself that's saying that. And I also think there is definitely a societal stigma and norm of of placing an age gate on everything, especially for women. But also when I really started thinking about it, I thought, you know, I'm putting a lot of this on myself. Mm -hmm. I'm putting a lot of this on myself with the way that I consume media online, on Instagram, the people I follow. It's creating this story for myself that I'm too old or not too pretty, whatever it may be to do the things I want to do. And um, I think it took me a a moment to realize that I'm sort of amplifying that for myself rather than just doing it, you know? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I saw a TikTok the other day because I get all my new knowledge from TikTok. And it was, um, (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was kidding. I'm literally in graduate school and I'm learning as much on TikTok. But (laughs) so this woman was saying that like the best piece of advice she ever got was like, never be the one to say no to yourself. Yeah, right? Yes. Yeah. Like there's going to be so many other people to say no to you. Fine, but don't be the one who says no to yourself before you even try. And I feel like that's your entire thesis sort of, right? Well,
3: I try. And it's a practice, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not the best at telling myself that. I'm not the best at any of the things I try, but I can at least tell myself I can get up and do it again. I mean, even mm-hmm. when I was cycling, I was never the best, really. And some of the way- the races that I won, you could say were a fluke um, if you compared raw cardiovascular talent among all of us. Any given Sunday, baby, any given <laughs> yeah, Sunday. Exactly. I-, I at least told myself before every race, I could get left behind, but no one's going to stop me. Mm-hmm. So even if I fall behind in the race, I'm going to finish it.
2: Mm-hmm. And you were talking about like, you can't release this video because you're not good enough. You haven't hit your goal. Like, how do you decide that? How do you decide like, okay, I've, I've, I've done enough to now be done with this project?
3: Well, around month five, <laughs> there was definitely a moment where I, I I was talking to my partner, Garrett, and I was like, should I just finish this video and get it online? It has been five months. It's been so long. And of course there's an empowering angle of, I couldn't do it. You know, that's an interesting story too. And he was like, yeah, but you're so
1: close. Ah, (laughs) ah, (laughs) ah, (laughs) ah! And he's like, we've
3: already edited the montage and all we need is the clip of you (laughs) succeeding. So I'm very close right now. I'm only, um, the goal in like the grand scheme it's it's called like the Elo rating. Um and my goal Elo rating was 1000, which is a kind of a complicated way of quantifying your chess level. And I'm currently at 970. So, hopefully very soon oh, I'm going to finish this chess video. God. <laughs> so is this is all just
2: online chess playing that like calculates this?
3: Yes. So I play a lot of online chess like a few hours a day. And then I do coaching a couple times a week.
0: <laughs> what are the other ones? Like when you mentioned like, well, I haven't, I didn't do a triple axel. So like for the other videos, is it like, okay, well I reached this part. I know I'm not going to be able to do for the physical videos. I'm not going to be able to do this. It's okay to release the video.
3: So usually for the physical videos, there's some sort of timeline involved such that I, I'm competing for a specific event. Um, like in figure skating, I actually competed in a in a real figure skating competition. Um, so it's it's usually like leading leading up to something that's time stamped, and along the way we kind of know okay, I can at least do this this and this by the end that are measurable skills. If anything, hopefully surpass that, so that there's like a visual marker. The mm-hmm. difference with chess, I think, is that because it's mental, there aren't as many like activities or before and after measurable comparisons to visually see. So with chess it's it's really more about this rating. I did do a tournament which was supposed to be the end of the video. But mm. I didn't do as well in the tournament as I had hoped. So I thought, you know what? Okay, I'm going to be like really good. This will be inspiring. I'm going to go and set a new goal for myself and this new goal It's just maybe I said it a little too high, but I I got I got to finish it. You know, it's like we're so close. I I just need to finish this out.
0: You don't really see failure as failure.
3: I don't think so. No, I mean, like if I if I never reached this goal and it really came down to it, we would we would release the video and that would be a storyline within the video.
0: But how would Um, you feel personally about like, do you ever feel like, oh, I failed? And if you do, like what?
2: People are so scared of failure. Yeah, I'm surprised you said that, Gabby, because I'm getting the sense that you do see failure as failure.
3: Well, I think I see it. I'm like like most people, I feel that I am harder on myself in terms of defining failure. And also, I've sort of created this unfortunate hamster wheel with my YouTube channel where people sort of expect a certain level of things and otherwise are, Less impressed. Um. That makes sense. <laughs> like I have to go to hell and back, or the video uh, isn't as good or doesn't perform as well, which is. Wonderful because then the library of content is very exciting, um, but also difficult because the library of content is difficult to make yeah. and difficult on me. Um, so I do think it's important for me to to set realistic expectations for myself because I always want to push myself to be better in anything that I do while mitigating what's reasonable and safe and, and healthy, not only for my body, but also mentally too.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you ever wish that you had never started this?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my God. Um, no, I love it. I truly love it. I know I'm sitting, I, I've complained so much about chess. <laughs> 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 How many people in the world never start new things?
0: Like life is so finite and people just like never do new things or never try new activities or never say, they go, oh, I wish I was this. And I wish I could do this. And they never start.
3: So like, uh, you know, I think maybe it's like led to you having a more interesting life. I love Challenge Accepted. I love the content that I make on the channel. And every time we finally release a video, I get so, so excited about it. And I think it it makes the effort so much more worth it. Um, Receiving the comments and the messages from people who are even, you know, I, I like to say when I started my channel, I didn't know if it would be successful. I didn't know if literally anyone would follow me. I had three months of money and that was it. And if I ran out, it it was back to work somewhere else. And I had set one goal for myself, which was if I could just inspire one person a day to do something new or different, Mm -hmm. then I've done my job. Like the views and millions, whatever, of people watching, is nice, but I want to actually affect at least one person to do something different. And if I'm not doing that, then I I don't really know what the point is.
2: Mm -hmm. How have you changed in how you approach these challenges from when you
3: started? I think when I started, I was constantly thinking about, and um, as a product of our former workplace, (laughs) I was constantly thinking about what's the most viral idea I could do? What's Mm. trendy now? Um, So some of the things I began with were training like a Victoria's Secret model for five weeks for a photo shoot, doing things like that. And as I've gone on, I have feel like it's evolved into more documentaries about the communities I'm entering Mm. um, so that it's less so about following a plan and seeing a before and after. And it's more about what is it like to be a paramedic on a 24-hour shift and get a call that you're you're going into a potential COVID-positive COVID situation? What is it like to be the person who has to do mm-hmm. that? And then also training for it and trying to execute on that front. So I think that the videos have evolved more into documentaries and highlighting the heroes in our lives, whether they're an Olympic athlete or a paramedic or a firefighter.
0: Or a chess master making fun of you on the internet. (laughs)
3: Yes. (laughs) No, I'll say the chess masters have been very nice. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So what was it like when the pandemic hit and that you weren't necessarily able to be doing all of these things and doing new things every day the way you were used to?
3: Oh, my God. It was incredibly difficult for me. My whole channel and who I am as a person is all about going out, trying new things, meeting new people, absorbing other people's energy. Some people have one love language. I have all of them, unfortunately. And so I need all of that (laughs) to experience love. (laughs) And that was really, really difficult for me. Thankfully, we had a bit of a library of content sort of stocked up. But when we started running out of that, and I um, had to sort of pivot and think of other ideas, it was massively, massively difficult. And it made me really appreciate getting to do it again. Now being vaccinated and healthy and getting to try things again. I have such a new appreciation and understanding for the impact of the content, not just on the audience, but on myself and the crew.
0: Mm -hmm. How often do you get people saying, oh, I tried a new thing that I've always wanted to do because of your channel, whether it's the thing that was in the video or... That it's like they're like, I dreamed of being able to train my dog in a Westminster show. And
3: now I'm going to whatever. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, Funny, people have asked me to to become a dog trainer before. I've thought about that.
0: (laughs) I have the fattest (laughs) little chihuahua on every day. I love beans. I know. I remember you love beans. (laughs) Every day I want to train him to be in like a dog show. Because that's the funniest (laughs) thing I could think of.
3: Oh, he would win the hearts of all the judges.
0: Michelle, train him to be in a dog show, please. Can you imagine? I can't.
3: It would be so cute. Anyway. Yeah, so I I feel very, very blessed that. I do get a lot of messages from people saying, my daughter started Taekwondo today. Mm. I was inspired to put her in there because of you. Or I decided to go on a walk outside. I haven't done that in a long time. It can be as simple or as big as people quitting their job. I mean, I've gotten a lot of very fascinating emails and messages from people. And for me, that's that's really what it's all about.
2: Have you been surprised by your reaction to certain activities where either you thought you were going to like it way more than you actually did or like you thought you wouldn't enjoy it and then you've discovered this like new passion?
3: I think that the thing I'm consistently surprised by no matter what challenge I take on is truly how difficult the things people do are. Mm. A couple months ago in May, after we got vaccinated, we got to do a video I've been wanting to do for a really long time where I worked a 24-hour paramedic shift. And now that I know what is going on inside an ambulance when the sirens are going and they're speeding down the one-on-one, I am never going to hesitate for a second to get the hell out of the way. (laughs) Um, So I feel like I definitely have learned that everything is hard. It doesn't matter what profession you're in. Um, It doesn't matter how physical or mental it is. If you are doing something to the highest caliber possible, I mean, it could be croquet. It's going to be really, really hard. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, How how did you choose the very first one that you did that was more of a documentary? And then how do you choose what you want to... Are you doing this is what I'm interested in? Are you doing like this is what's trending on Google?
3: Like why land on chess? Why land on firefighter? You know what I mean? So it's sort of a combination between sometimes what's trending, sometimes what I'm personally interested in, sometimes stories in, in the news. Oh, like what? Um, So, you know, the, the COVID and the pandemic of everything inspired me. We've got to do something in the medical field. When I lived quite close to one of the wildfires in California, I was like, okay, we got to do a firefighter Mm -hmm. episode. I need to see what that's all about. And sometimes people suggest things in the comments. Queen's Gambit inspired the chess video. I was about to say. (laughs) And also chess was a little easier to film in the pandemic, which was nice because a lot of it is online. So sometimes it's the the restrictions of what's allowed <laughs> in the world or the environment. And sometimes it's just general curiosity.
2: And as someone who is like constantly pushing themselves all the time, like how do you handle the, the mental health of it all? How do you know when maybe you've pushed too hard or when you need to take a break?
3: I think that, obviously, as as you guys discuss and promote a lot already, I think finding the best therapist possible for yourself is the best investment I've ever made.
0: Is your therapist just like, what the fuck, Michelle? Like, every day. <laughs> is your therapist, you're like, your therapist, you sit down for the intake. You're like, the therapist's like, okay, so what do you do for a job? And you're like, well, and you explain, and the therapist is like, uh, I'm sorry, you, I'm sorry, what? <laughs>
3: you What? <laughs> Well, mine is amazing. I've been with her for five years. Wow! So even I started right when I started working at BuzzFeed. So she's really seen. Sorry, the place that must Uh, not be named. We'll bleep it.
0: We'll bleep it.
3: I ruined it. We'll bleep it. Um, so she's been with me for the, the whole gamut. But yeah, usually pretty much every session begins with her asking, okay, so what did you do this week? And then I'll be like, oh, well, we rode around in an ambulance. <laughs> and then I, I played chess. And then I'm also training for the Navy SEAL physical fitness test. So I did an hour of swimming with weights on my back. And she'll be like, okay. Let's talk about what's going on there. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but she's amazing. And she actually keeps incredible tabs on me. She's like, I remember last week when you were doing your push-ups, you were thinking negatively to wow. yourself. How's that going? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> wow. So um, I, yeah, I think that the wildest day I had of my life on the channel was one morning I drove to an airfield and rode in like a fighter jet pulling 6g's to experience the force of what astronauts experience going to space like the literal like your <laughs> your face is coming off your head and that morning cuz that was for astronaut training and i immediately left that eight, car, eight lunch in the car on the way over to ballet training in the same day
2: what yeah <laughs> how do you manage all of this you know it's like what are you working with with your with your therapist to not assign your whole self worth i would hope to how these challenges go
3: something that's really nice for me is the reminder that the parts where i am having the most difficulty in the project i'm taking on are the most inspirational and relatable to the audience mm-hmm. so i always make it a point and so does my partner Garrett. Whenever I'm having a really hard time, he just turns on the camera and I'm always like, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> and he's like, this is the video. Yeah. People need to know it's not all rainbows and butterflies doing this right. thing. So that's really nice for me. It's, it's therapeutic for me as well. Obviously I have an amazing therapist. And then I always make sure that the people I'm collaborating with for the video when I interview a coach for a challenge accepted video, I take it as seriously as interviewing a therapist or a life partner in a way, um, because I don't see them as just the person who's going to teach me the technical skills. They're going to be supporting me mentally. They're going to be, you know, pulling the stop. If, if things become too dangerous as some of the things that we do on the channel, they're, they're risky and always safe, but you know, we're taking risks. Mm -hmm. So I have to find a lot of trust in that person. And we've done a really good job so far of of always vetting people pretty thoroughly for that. So I feel like the the biggest thing for me beyond the journaling and and self-monitoring and having people around me that look out for me is having that amazing team. So, I guess what I would say to anyone who wants to try anything new or or experience something that you never have before, make sure you're doing it with someone who will hold you accountable and will push you enough to the edge while keeping you safe. I think that a coach figure in anyone's mm-hmm. life, whether it's for a physical, mental, career goal of any kind, that to me is the the biggest investment when pursuing something new. I love that.
2: Would you like to pursue something new right now and play America's favorite game show, Hypotheticals?
3: (laughs) I would love to. Challenge accepted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's perfect. So I hope
2: behind the scenes that you've been training for this for months, you know, listening to other episodes. Oh, yes. Coming up with ideas, answers. So you're... (laughs) I'm assuming you're (laughs) more prepared than anyone's ever been. Um
0: (laughs) Yeah, the whole chat. was a lie she's just been preparing for hypotheticals
2: <laughs> so for those who don't know it, hypotheticals is a game show where you and gabby are going to be my contestants i'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations you can ask any clarifying questions you have about them and then you tell me what you would do and then i just decide if i like your answer okay so really part of your research <laughs> should have just been studying me and what i do like you
3: have, do you have a notebook open I don't know what's about to happen. I don't know how detailed this is. Yeah, I'm taking notes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Here we go. You've been in a long distance monogamous relationship for three years. When you find out that your partner has been going on a bunch of first dates with different people because they missed dating IRL. Nothing physical has ever happened, but the other person definitely thinks it is a date and doesn't know they are in a relationship with you. Would you stay with this cheater? No, no. <laughs> but nothing physicals happen, and they just miss. Go- they just want to like try things. They want to like go to the movies with somebody, and they want to try the new the new restaurant and and the moonlit moonlight walk. No, because the other person
0: is wasting their time. They're wasting the other person's time. That's mean. Michelle,
3: your thoughts? That's why? (laughs) Yes. Your thoughts? Well, I would say if those are things you miss, you can do those things by yourself. If you're missing the companionship, that's the part that I feel. If you really want it, get your ass on a plane. See you tomorrow. They're very busy. (laughs) Did I tell you that they're, they're incredibly good
2: looking? They're a millionaire and they save lives for a living.
3: If they're a millionaire, they can get on their private jet. (laughs) Salient point. Relocate me. Why am I living somewhere else? Why am I not married and without a job living with them? I don't know. (laughs)
0: Michelle's like, I'll give it all up tomorrow (laughs) to live in some
2: guy's mansion.
3: (laughs) I would go crazy doing that. Absolutely. I would do
2: that as well.
0: I say you got to go because I think it's really mean to go on a first date and then be like, oh, it's not working out. And then that person's like, what did I do wrong? And they didn't do anything wrong. You just never intend. You never had your pure intentions.
2: Yeah. Okay. I guess this one was too easy. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Jesus. I feel bad. I would give I would Venmo one dollar to every person that they went on a date.
2: Yeah, I almost feel like a $1 Venmo is more insulting than just not getting a Venmo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll put out an ad. If you went on a first date with this person and they didn't ever text you back,
2: I will Venmo you $1.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No one would
2: bother with that. You don't know. Okay. Our second game. Is this a date? While waiting in a long line to ride the Ferris wheel alone, Someone at the front of the line is asked if they have a partner to ride with or if they are solo. They look out over the crowd, notice you are also alone, and say they are riding with you so you get to skip the line and join them. Is this a date?
3: Are they hot? Medium. That's so romantic. <laughs> wow. It's pretty romantic. <laughs> Imagine that shot like a movie. Right? That's pretty hot. Um, I don't know if it's a date. I don't think it's a date. I'm sorry.
0: So they had not previously <laughs> seen you before. They just looked back, saw you, and went that one? <laughs> yeah, because everyone else was
2: clearly in pairs. But <laughs> so
0: that doesn't mean they, they're attracted to me. That doesn't mean that they, they like me. It just means that I was the only other person by myself.
2: But they didn't have to go with you. They could have just gone alone.
0: But the guy at the front made them feel like a loser.
2: No, they were just asking. You've never gone to a restaurant? They say, how many people? Then you just say, for one. Is there a connection
0: between yeah, is us there a connection?
3: when we make eye contact? Is there like a connection?
2: Ah! You had a three second long eye contact before they said that I'm with them.
3: How long is the
2: ride? It is, it is actually the biggest Ferris wheel in the world. So the ride is 35 minutes. <laughs> it's a date. What did I? <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> yeah, that's it's a, a, date. a date. Oh my God. Do you guys think you're going to kiss on the Ferris wheel? If we
3: don't, I'm disappointed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow would you wait till the very top or is that when you're looking at the view so you don't want to be kissing
3: I think they would have to wait because I'm not making the first move because I just can't do that um
2: <laughs> I love that you can do literally anything else but you won't
0: make the first move challenge accepted Michelle makes the first move uh, it's not happening
3: Oh, okay. So I feel like I wouldn't do it at the top because that's when you're kind of expecting it. Like there needs to be a little, will they, won't they? So it'd be slightly after the top at like, you know, 15 degrees after. Wow. And it'll be, I'm looking out the window, kind of sad that they haven't made a move yet. And then they touch my shoulder, I flip around, and then we kiss. And then you'll be like, what is your name? I don't know you. (laughs) I love romance. Wow! <laughs> and then they say
0: it's me, Prince Harry. No, Prince Harry's married. Single. It's me. It's me,
2: Harry Styles. Harry Styles is in a relationship with Jason Sudeikis's ex, Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he's now.
0: Now, yeah. would you stay with this cheater? It's two games, <laughs> baby. It's two games. <laughs> okay. What is our third game?
2: Our final game. Are you a terrible parent? Your five-year-old is furious that they couldn't get ice cream before dinner, so they give you the silent treatment. In order to make them talk to you again, you start to pretend to get very sick and explain that the only thing that keeps you alive is the sound of their voice. They still refuse to talk to you, implying they would not care
3: if you died. Are you a terrible parent? So one time when I was eight, I wanted to mess with my little sister and we were waiting at the grocery store while my mom was inside. So just to mess with her, I told her that I was an alien and I was beaming her into space. Absolutely. And I think to this day, it has still scarred her. So I'm going to say that's a bad parent.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're a terrible
0: parent. Is it a bad parent
3: because they're clearly so
2: unattached to you that they don't care if you die?
0: It's because it, they, when you're young, your brain thinks things are real. It'll get all messed up, you know?
2: Yeah. It's a little manipulative. No, it's very, it's very manipulative.
3: I don't know the, the appropriate way to parent in that moment because I haven't um done challenge accepted parenting yet. <laughs> You're like, challenge accepted, throw yourself out of a
0: plane. Challenge accepted, like swim with sharks. So like Michelle, challenge accepted, raise this toddler. You're like, absolutely not.
2: I will not no, be doing that not yet. <laughs> I get it. That's way more intense.
0: I love kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're like the fun person. Yeah. That's why I love them. Okay. So I think you're a bad parent. I don't, I wouldn't do this because I wouldn't want to find out that my kid doesn't care if I die. Like, I would not do any kind mm. of thing that would be like, well, if you don't do this, I'll die. Cause that's playing, that's playing with fire. You might learn that your kid doesn't care if you die. And I don't want to know that. Yeah. That's true.
2: All right. So this week's, you know, These were easy ones this week, but (laughs) the thing is, is I know Michelle's been working so hard on the chest. I wanted to give her a break. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, that's why. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you, follow you and see all the amazing things you were trying?
3: Thank you guys so much for having me. And you guys can find me at Michelle Carre everywhere, YouTube, Instagram,
0: Etc. A long time ago, we did a video trying 24 karat gold facials. So go, if you want to see me and Michelle do that, go find that old video. (laughs) That
3: was fun. I enjoyed that. Every single comment is like, this is a scam. This is a scam. Yeah, I know. The channel has pivoted a bit since then. (laughs) I
2: once met you in the woods and
3: fought you with a stick.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) That was fun too. check that that one out as well
2: (laughs) wow thank you so much Michelle thank you thank you guys stick around after the break we'll be talking about all the things we've been wrong about
3: it's a long list oh boy
2: us
0: it's time for topics x, 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 x baby
2: baby baby so a thing I've found very empowering lately is just that I'm wrong about everything oh god me too <laughs> oh god me too or just that like we're all wrong about everything
0: we all have no idea what we're talking about why does anyone ever interview me about anything that's my question like I get interviewed about stuff and I'm like I'm not going to solve how cis people can be better to trans people. I'm not going to solve. If you ask me, like, just like my opinion on something, that could be a different opinion in a week after I read a book about it. That's different. I don't know.
2: Yeah. All the time I hear things and I'm like, oh, okay. So I was wrong about that. And then I'll hear another thing. And I was like, oh, maybe I wasn't wrong about that. Oh, maybe it was this. Maybe it's that. I don't know. I mean, even just in like, my grad school program, the variety of like the different opinions that these teachers have that are teaching in the same program. <laughs> I
0: have a question. And and this might be hard to, uh, to start addressing at age 33. How do I know what my opinions
2: are? I don't know.
0: How do I know what I actually believe? I'm not sure. Well, like, cause I got the basics down, right? I know like, don't be racist. Like, don't be like, like Islamophobic. I know like all of that stuff. But like, what
2: do I think about anything? Instead of that, let's think of something that we've been wrong about. Hundred things. One of which that I think our nation was wrong about was thinking that Trump wasn't going to win in 2016. Yep. That was like a moment where like, so I mean, obviously, some people knew that he was going to win or suspected it. But I feel like that was like a moment where everyone's worldview just went, oh, my God.
0: (laughs) I think a lot of people around me did know because it's either you were, like, in denial or people around me just, like, didn't have a lot of faith in
2: other people. But you didn't know people going to, like, Hillary celebration parties? Of course. Like, there were tons of people. No, I went to one, but... I
0: also think that's like our own like white liberal at the time, 2016 brains, right? We're like, we were wrong, right? Like we were like, oh, like she's going to win like girl boss, my like dumb white feminist brain. And then like everything went to shit. And now we like are like, oh, what everyone else knew in the leftist side of things, they were uh, completely right. And we were all just living in a bubble of privilege, basically. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's like a wide scale. I feel like my takes and interpretations of feminism were wrong. My mm-hmm. takes and interpretations of gender were wrong. The, my idea of bisexuality in general and my own bisexuality were completely wrong. Can you elaborate on that? I would say wrong in the terms of like, obviously, like I've had a lot of growth, which most people go through growth. I just so happened to go through growth in front of thousands of people all the fucking time. But if you look back, like the way that I talked about feminism was like so, I was so cis-sexist in a lot of ways. So like, for instance, when I started dating Mal, who's a transmasculine person, I have a mug that says male tears, right? At the time, I was like, ha ha, male tears. I'm really doing it. Like, aha, kill all men, feminism, whatever, right? That mug, it's actually like, to me, now in my opinion, harmful because it's dispelling men's abilities to have emotions, to show their emotions, to be taken seriously when they are crying. It kind of, by default, I think erases trans masculine people and trans men. Uh, I think it is like this very baseline feminism that like doesn't take into account that like patriarchy hurts everybody. I didn't know any trans people. Like I didn't know beyond like the binary uh, man, woman, gender. So it's like almost like a relic to me. There's just, there's some stuff that I feel so differently about that I pushed so hard in the beginning that I think was a sort of very basic white feminist sort of whatever. And I just also had a platform of like thousands of people. There was some stuff that I just parroted, too, that I, like, you know, never even, like, had my own thoughts on. Like, there was all of this sort of push at the time for, like, sex positivity, which is, like, great. But, like, then it kind of came full circle around to, like, prude shaming in this way. And then, like, you know, there's just these things that I think we all go in waves of, like, what's the popular take or what's the popular, like, opinion or right opinion or... I just wrote that I was learning. I was like, yeah, this is all great. This seems great to me. Like, I think I what a lot of it was like not thought through on my end at all. And then the commodification of everything, right, of like sexuality and sex positivity and feminism being commodified as merch, as books, as like not not books like scholarly tomes, but like Urban Outfitters table books, like just these kinds of things that then I later was like, oh, well, this is like feeding into capitalism. And I don't know if that's just growing up or like becoming more aware of things or whatever. But like, there's a lot of stuff that unfortunately, I think I was very stubborn
2: about online that now I'm like, you were wrong. Yeah, I mean, I definitely my concepts of the world and life. And that's like forever changing, but it's been weird that like, I've been so wrong about things in my personal life. Mm -hmm. You know, the big one obviously is like within a month of dating Jake, I was like, I'm going to marry this man. Mm -hmm. Like I felt that very deeply. I mean, I got engaged to him. (laughs) Like I was like, so yeah, you know, and I was like, Oh, I'm definitely, this is definitely my husband. This is definitely my life partner. I didn't have any doubts. Mm -hmm. And then for that to now not be the case, it's like, oh, okay. I was very wrong about that. And then on the flip side, I like, you know, that's sort of like a, a very upsetting, jarring thing to be so wrong about. But then to know that like you can be so wrong about something like that and then like you can still live your life. And I also felt very strongly up until a couple years ago, that I was done with school, that I would never mm-hmm. be back in school. And like, I I was like, felt very happy and glad that that chapter of my life was over. Mm-hmm. I couldn't fathom writing another paper, taking another test or having homework. It was like, what? No, that's that's mm-hmm. child's play. I'm done with that. And then now to be back in school and be like, well, mm-hmm. I was super wrong about that, too. You know, <laughs> it's just wild that you you don't know things about your views on things than also just realities of your own life.
0: I regret saying things so definitively, Mm -hmm. but that I think is youth I'm finding just from looking at other young people, people younger than me. So Melissa sent me a script uh, that she and another woman worked on. And there's like a passing joke in it. That's like, lesbians don't scissor, which for a long time, here's what happened on South park they made this joke about, oh, all lesbians scissor. And they made it seem gross. Then the backlash, this is my, this is my limited cultural, pop cultural academic analysis. Then from that, lesbians started being like, we don't scissor. That's disgusting. I don't think it ever actually went away. And then when I started dating women, I was like, oh, nobody scissors. Like that's gross. Then as I started like getting older, it was like, oh, no, that actually is a thing that happens in the community. This joke that, like, lesbians don't scissor basically started with cis men making fun of it, going into needing to defend sexuality from that. And then, like, that joke kept getting repurposed, repurposed, repurposed. And then people started using it in scripts to be like, I'm so woke that I know that lesbians don't scissor. And now, to me, in my brain, it's come fully all around where I made jokes like that. I made jokes constantly where I was like, lesbians don't scissor. And I wanted to, because I wanted to seem like I was like so knowledgeable and so like in the community. And I didn't know what I was talking about. I had no fucking idea what I was talking about. Like, I'm, I, and I said it so definitively, and I said it so, like, I know everything about all the queer sex that everyone in the world is having. That was like not even true. And there were so many, that's like a very intense example, but there are so many examples of things that I just said and like repeated without ever checking out if it was true.
2: Yeah, I, I think that, you know, with age has come instead of feeling more confident in my like knowledge, I'm less. (laughs) I don't know anything. I don't know fucking anything. And
0: by the way, Melissa's script is amazing. If you're looking for to make a a really great um, romantic comedy about art uh, with a a black woman lead, uh, please hit her up. But yeah, it was just like, I don't know anything about anything. I get so here's, you want to know something else? A bunch, so I came out as non-binary, and then a bunch of like media, like I would not a bunch, maybe like three p- places were like, "Oh, we want to ask you about it," and I was like, "I don't know anything. I don't. I can't now. I've been out for a day. I can't come here and speak to speak about the non-binary experience. I don't know fucking anything. Like just because you become something doesn't mean the next day you're an expert on that thing." Yeah. And then there's a lot of pressure to be. People ask you. And it's like, well, how do you, again, like I said in the beginning, like, how can cis people be better allies to non-binary people? Fuck, if I I don't fucking know. And so, I mean, I was wrong about trusting people. I mean, I think the audience of this show, but maybe like, if you're new here, you don't know, like, I trusted someone who ended up being a rapist. Like, I don't know anything. That to me is like, I think about that all the time because that to me is such an example of like, oh, I know this person so well. There's no way that they could X, Y, and Z. And I would, if it was like tomorrow, they were like, Mal's a serial killer. I'd be like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm with them all the time. So I don't know when they would have the time to do it. But maybe when they think, maybe when they tell me they're taking skateboarding lessons, I
2: don't really know. But has there been anything that you've been happy to be wrong about? Like for me, I think I used to think that being younger was better. Oh, being younger sucks. Yeah. And I no longer think that. Like now I, you know, I thought that like the best time of your life was definitely going to be your 20s or something. No. Like I don't agree with that anymore. <laughs> no.
0: Being younger sucks ass, dude. I'm so glad to be <laughs> 33. That's a great one. I think also just like the what my life will look like, the capacity for my life, my who my partner is, what my day-to-day life is, what my choices are, like who I get to be around. Like I was so limited in what I thought was possible for myself. And I put myself in all of these boxes that even career wise that I, w- I was wrong about. I mean, I-, I have been given so many wonderful opportunities in ways that like, I would have never predicted or like, you know, I think my day to day with my partner, my dog and work is like so different than I would have thought in, in in a much better way, considering. I will say my family of origin. Uh, <laughs> I never thought that I would be able to cut off family members who were harmful to me. I never thought. I was like, I'm going to have to deal with this person the rest of my life. Guess what? You can just cut them off.
1: <laughs> Melissa, you want to come on in and, and share your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I told you guys before we started that I was having a hard time coming up with things that I've been wrong about. And I think it's because I have a different re- perspective of what right and wrong mm. is. And so kind of like when Gabby was talking about the mer- melt tears thing. And I don't think I think that from the perspective that you were living in at that time, you were just uninformed. Mm-hmm. And then once you learn more information, then you changed your position. Mm-hmm. And so I think you would have been wrong if you would have kept the same position. Oh,
0: interesting. Okay. Interesting.
1: So I just kinda I see things more as I'm uninformed or I don't know things. And if it's if I learn more things about it and then keep that same position, then that's yeah. what I'm wrong mm-hmm. about. Yeah.
2: I love that. Because all the time I'm like I am just misinformed or I was uninformed or I didn't know. Yeah. And you uninformed. know, and it's and I think what's so important A really big difference you can see between people is if when you're presented with evidence that you were wrong are you able to accept that evidence and change your point of view Mm -hmm. or is it so upsetting to you that the idea that you could be wrong that you become blind to the evidence and you dig in your heels exactly
0: i've changed in that i i don't dig in my heels so,
2: I think that's what we can all aspire to. It's like we're always going to be misinformed, we're always going to be underinformed, mm-hmm. we're always going to be learning, you know, but it's it's if we have the openness to take in the new information. That's mm-hmm. what we can work on versus like assuming that like from this day forward we should never be wrong again. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Except I did used to dig in my heels and now I don't and I will never do it again because the consequences were terrible for everyone. So, Nope. <laughs> I do uh, highly recommend cutting off um, abusive family members. That has been
1: I tight as hell. Yep. I've done that too. And I've got some backlash from my parents about it, but I'm fine with it. It's not my problem. Oh, my parents are so mad and I don't yeah. care. Me either. Okay, what do
0: we rate this episode? I rate it 12 out of 11 estrangements.
1: I give it uh, 15 out of 10 Flaky Friends. Ooh. And I will give
2: it 37 out of 34 Firefighting Chess Players. Hot. hot, literally, <laughs> literally hot. <laughs> Thank you to Michelle Carey for being our guest. Just between us, is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin, and me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa DeMonts. Executive produced by brent Boehm, Joe cilio and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this
0: podcast ad free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com/slash-plus.
2: And check out video clips of our podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash dog team or on our YouTube channel youtube.com slash just between us show. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all
0: the latest Forever Dog news. Also at Allison Raskin on Instagram, at Gabby Road on Instagram, and at she is not Melissa on Instagram.
1: Okay, bye. Forever
0: dog.